Hey, Mike, what's up? Hey, Mike, how you doing? All right, what have you been doing? Uh, Florida Drupal Camp stuff, how about you? Yeah, that's pretty much all I've been doing for the past 24 hours or so. Yeah, yeah, so uh, if you have not uh, heard yet, the Florida Drupal Camp site is now live. So what does that mean exactly by live? That means we can go and look at the site and look at pretty pictures? Yeah, yeah, we had the site up from last year up until, you know, yesterday. And uh, now the new site is up, which has the new dates. You can now enter in, you can now create sessions. So if you want to submit a session and uh, you can now register for the, uh, for the camp. Woohoo! I know, right? It's exciting. So I guess if you're interested in coming to the camp, there's probably two or three things you should do, right? You should, number one, you should go to fldrupal.camp. That is correct. And you should go ahead and hit the big yellow register now button. Uh, the, the dates for this camp, by the way, are February 15th through the 17th. That is a Friday through a Sunday. Friday is going to be free trainings. We have Right now we have six trainings lined up, and there's going to be a whole bunch of cool trainings, uh, including Drupal module development, React training. We're going to have Drupalize Me giving uh, some Drupal theming training, some beginner Drupal training. There's going to be a ton of cool stuff, all free with registration. Saturday is a full day of sessions, and I think we normally have six session tracks. That's probably going to be about the same. Uh, that includes a, a lightning round at the end. That's always a blast. Uh, Sunday is a half day of sessions, and um, then we have a half day code sprint. And a code sprint is actually a really good code sprint, as opposed to like you know sometimes you go to code sprints and there's just like two or three people like pounding away at their computers. We actually have mentored code sprints. Uh, we have pizza. We 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 kind of triage issues beforehand and make sure people actually know what to do and how to do it. It's, it's pretty awesome. How much is it going to cost for all this, Mike? That's the big question. Right now, if you get your ticket early enough, tickets are only $50. 50 bucks. Yep. When we feed, we feed you all three days. Yeah, you get, you get lunch every day in addition to a t-shirt, in addition to a bunch of swag, in addition to, you know, hanging out with you. And yeah, uh, and invitation to the after party. So yeah. Same venue as last year, same famous Gringos Locos lunch on Saturday. Everybody loves it. Not sure what we're doing yet for the party. Um, that's kind of uh, phase two of our planning now that we got the site launched and registration open. Now we've got to figure out what we're going to do for fun on Saturday night. That's like the next step, right? Yep. All right. I think we've talked about it enough. Go register and uh, follow Florida Drupal Camp on Twitter at FL Drupal Camp. And I think that's it, right? Yep, that's uh, fldrupal.camp is the website. All right, let's wrap up this promo and now go report a, record a promo for your podcast. Hello and welcome to Drupal Easy Podcast number 212. Well, we took a good part of the summer off. Uh, truth be told, just got really slammed with work, and we actually just graduated, I believe it was our 12th semester of Drupal Career Online students. So uh, we're back, and we've got a bunch of uh, podcasts uh, planned out for the next few months, so uh, get your earbuds ready and uh, listen up. So today I got a special podcast to kind of get a get this latest edition of the Drupal Easy Podcast up and going. Um, I'm actually live in person, sitting next to Matthew or Matt. Did you ever go by Matthew? Parents only. Do. Parents. Oh, when you're in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> so Matt Glomman and uh, Boyan uh, Boyan last name. I, I 
Zivanovich. Zivanovich. Zivanovich? Yeah, yeah. Perfect. Like, oh, really? Both okay. versions work, but we, we Slavs really make it difficult. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know if I've ever actually heard it out loud. I've seen it. Yeah. But not to this moment did I ever actually try to say it. Yeah. So. Well, originally, it sounds like Zivanovich. But, Z- yeah, but I try to simplify for a foreign audience. All right. Well, very good. So, um,. Uh, Boyan and Matt are with the Commerce guys, so uh, they happen to be in the state of Florida for a few days, so I figured that we would take this opportunity and catch up with them, and uh, specifically, we're going to talk um, a little bit about uh, the future, um, you know, a little bit of the roadmap stuff that they have planned out, and um, I kind of want to pick Matt's brain a, a bit about his work and the team's work in the decoupled space. Uh, you know, they're starting to decouple different parts of Drupal Commerce and what that means and what that looks like and, and you know, what we can expect from that. So we're going to get to those two in just a minute. Uh, before I do, I want to uh, talk about one of our sponsors. So Drupal Aid, DrupalAid.com. They provide support for proactive maintenance and uh, minor bug fixes starting at $99 per site per month. So they have a bunch of different monthly plans. You can go to DrupalAid.com to learn all about them. And uh, don't forget, uh, they have an affiliate plan. So if you are a Drupal agency or just a Drupal developer and you help build and launch Drupal sites, this is a great way to make sure that your client sites stay secure and stay updated without you having to do that day-to-day type work. Um, there is uh, an, an affiliate commission for signing folks up with DrupalAid.com. So you can absolutely go to DrupalAid.com to get more information about that. And just want to say thank you for their continued support of the Drupal Easy podcast. So, Matt, let's go right to you um, a few months ago. Let me see if I have, even have a date on this thing. I don't know if there's a date. Oh, no, back in end of September. Um, there's a really interesting blog post, and I've been hearing about this and seeing, you know, a presentation here or there and, and some, some, you know, some tweets about um, the work that you and others have been doing on, um, you know, decoupling, or I'm going to start us off on the right foot, progressively decoupling parts of Drupal Commerce. Um, so I have a link to the blog post, but the blog post serves as more of an overview of the work that you guys have been doing. So um, if you would, why don't we just start with, um, just kind of summarize for us, like what are we talking about here? What, what does this all mean? Yeah, so there's a lot, when people think about decoupled or headless, there's a lot of things that come to mind, but our main focus has been scalability. There's a certain problems in Drupal that you can only fine tune and beat around the bush so far when you just need to stop using Drupal for certain things. No, that Just using Drupal's current layers, let's say. Um, one example was actually, we got this idea from a Drupal 7 client where they have at large skill, their added cart form was causing the slowdown in performance. So managing your cart, adding things to your cart, which is one of the most heavy duty and expensive processes in an e-commerce solution, we decoupled it. So managing your cart was now done in JavaScript via APIs, which means that serving product catalogs and product pages were fully cached, right? That could be behind the reverse proxy or just Drupal's plain page cache, which means that anonymous users browsing your website didn't hit the server and let you go use those resources for the checkout, which gets you money, right? The whole point of e-commerce is taking money. Um, 
So that was a one-off client implementation, but for Drupal 8 and Commerce 2, we wanted to make that a first-class citizen. So we started investigating a cart API, and the end result, we call it the cart flyout module, and then the cart API module. And the cart flyout is based on research that Boyan and I did with other agencies on what's like the best practice. Well, usually you add something to the cart, you don't go to a cart page, you get something that comes out of the sidebar or from the header that shows your cart contents, and then brings you to a cart page or checkout. And that's a heavy JavaScript experience. And we've seen people implement it on Commerce 2 with regular Drupal Form API and Drupal JavaScript and the, the Ajax API, which is impressive, but really hard, or it's, it's intensive. And honestly, when you look at the Add to Cart form, it's touching into Drupal's Form API. Big Pipe helps make pages load faster, but you're still in this heavy rendering process. Um, and this was a way for us to give that experience that seems to be the standard on most websites, but still let the product page be fully cached. And then you load, it takes a, an ID, and it knows all this different metadata about the product in a JSON, and then builds an added cart form. So as they're browsing a product page, you know, let's say a t-shirt that has three colors and four sizes, as they change the colors, we know what the field values are, so we change to the red image, the blue image, the green, without hitting Drupal. Uh, previously with just form API, it'd be form a API hash Ajax. And, well, let's make this request, let's rebuild the form. All these expensive operations are now just done in the client. So you're not touching Drupal, you're just in the client. They add to the cart, we make an API request, adds to the cart. So we're still managing the cart via sessions and you know inside as a Drupal object. It's not like it's all like in local storage or super fancy. Um, but it's just been one way to really eke out performance. And I've seen in our demo sites a product page in the default way without the cart flyout module, let's say 300 milliseconds to load. Once we add cart flyout, it's 92 milliseconds because we've cut out form rendering and we're letting Drupal's dynamic page cache and the regular page cache do its job. So this is the cart flyout module. This is an optional module right now. Yes, it's not something we didn't want to put the opinion in there because if you bike shed an API, and, you know, it has user interface assumptions, which we know in Drupal you don't just throw in by <laughs> default. That's why we have the contrib space, and the contrib space is kind of like a sandbox for core commerce features. And anybody that's been following the development of Drupal Commerce 2, we've consolidated the ecosystem in, of all the contrib via checkout contrib, order management contrib, has made its way into core, just like we're seeing with experimental modules for Drupal core. Like, it's mm -hmm. a way to sandbox features, mm -hmm and find what the community has decided as best practice. Um, so for instance, the cart flyout, it actually uses, it doesn't use React, it uses underscore and backbone because Boyan and I decided we should support what comes with Drupal core. We shouldn't be adding some additional library. For now. For now. Um, <laughs> this way people don't need to have a build process, right? There's libraries that are available with core you use and it's using underscore templates and the way that we, you can actually customize all the templates is it uses Drupal's theme system. So it has a twig file that you write your underscore template in, which is just writing HTML with some different syntax in some areas. So you can write a theme that overrides the cart flyout's look because that gets injected into the Drupal settings JSON object, which backbone reads and then passes the underscore for theming. So it's very Drupal. It's not what I would consider to be a way that a JavaScript front-end developer would work. This is definitely fitting the Drupalisms. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but it's a way that we solve this, and, and every site's been added. It's been ad, like fully customized and adding performance. So, uh, it sounds like you know it's probably important to, to just reiterate that you haven't changed the way Commerce Core works. Yeah, you've just added this option. So how does that work? So if someone downloads this cart flyout module, do they disable one of the? It's a swap. So thanks okay. to Oop and all mm -hmm. the wonderful things that Drupal Eight brings us. It actually says, all right, Drupal, the default cart block and the default add to cart formatter, I'm actually handling those now. And it builds the render array that injects the templates and then adds the JavaScript libraries and it's done. So it's a drop-in replacement. So you just enable it and you're good to go. And there's no additional server configuration necessary? No, nope, there should of... be nothing necessary that has to be done. So um, why wouldn't someone use this? Is there a reason? The reason, so why somebody wouldn't want to use it is it's not, I wouldn't say it's on feature parity of what you would get with the form API. Um, you, you can't expose the quantity field for right now or like order item fields. You know, custom products. One of the benefits of Drupal Commerce is that if you sell t-shirts that have custom text, you get a text field to the order item, you expose it, you can collect that data and create custom t-shirts. That's not there. This is, we created it with a very limited scope so that mm -hmm. way we could succeed instead of it being like a year-long process. Just think about it. If somebody has a text field, how do you know to represent that without them having to write JavaScript? It's the same problem that the like the JS initiative the, or the admin UI initiative is doing, but in React. You know, right. it's How do we know that there's a text field and render it? Um, also, it only supports rendered attributes. So by default, it will respect if you have a color field, let's say, that's set to swatches, like it renders that, or otherwise it's just like radios and select list. But what if you need a dropdown of just product titles? That's a patch that I'm working on right now. Um, so it, it has a very specific use case, which is the most generic one. Right. But if you ha if you take full advantage of our edit cart features, there's things to be lacking. We've had a decade to figure out how to make a Drupal solution flexible and easy to customize. With JavaScript, we still need to figure out a lot of these lessons. Are you saying you're gonna need another decade? Yes. <laughs> Let's talk again in five to seven years. Okay. <laughs> um, and for those who aren't familiar with building an Angular React view, this idea of swappability and being able to like override a render output doesn't exist. They work in recom they have a proper term for it, but let's say like recomposable elements, right? Like in Drupal, you might have different layers of what builds the render array, and at any time you can alter the theme output. It doesn't really work like that, it's more static, but you still build with this idea of components that turn into the greater page, but at no point can you interject and say, no, that button, that, that button component is actually gonna be templated via this way. So the things that we are used to in the Drupal theme structure don't exist in most JavaScript frameworks. So it sounds like what you're saying is it's not as overridable. Yeah. Okay. It would be one like if we wanted to go like all out and be and treat it like a first class citizen as like a fully headless one, we would have to build a component library and then our users would have to design their pages with that component library at a build process. Which if you're interested in that at all, just look at the admin UI initiative because it's a big conversation over there. Okay. So you said before that you chose to kind of start playing around with this um, headless uh, decoupled stuff with the add to cart because um, that was kind of that was going to give you the biggest bang for the buck from a performance standpoint. 
Are there other areas that you've identified and started working on? Um, one thing that before decoupled days in New York, I was working on experimenting with a headless checkout API just to kind of see how far we could go and just kind of highlight some areas because I built a um, using Gatsby JS, which for those who aren't familiar is a static site generator that is like create react app, which helps you scaffold react apps, but it just builds static websites. That actually consumed Drupal Commerce over JSON API to build a catalog, and then the cart API to be able to add, actually no, that didn't use cart API, it used local storage for carts. So it was like an offline first e-commerce site. And I wanna see what it'd be like to interact with commerce as your headless checkout. Um, so we've experimented there, but we know we have a lot of work to do. Um, one thing that Boyan's gonna be working on with our next roadmap is commerce rest and what our APIs will look like because there's a lot to do the cart was the biggest was the lowest hanging fruit that we know we could do we have done and would give the biggest performance boost checkout we know there are things that need to be done but like even just improving Drupal's form API with Ajax would be something that people want and need now and fully decoupling checkouts a big task all right fair enough so uh, I guess it's kind of you know I'm going to start looking at Boyan now. Um, as you mentioned roadmap, and clearly this is something that's on your mind as far as something that you're going to be looking at in the future. Like, Where does this fall on the priority list? I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of things on that roadmap. Um, where does this fall and kind of what are some of the other things that are higher, higher, uh, of higher importance? Well, as you've seen, there are three different approaches to building an e-commerce site today. The first one is just doing it like our grandfathers did with mm -hmm. using Twig, using views, using just regular Drupal techniques. Mm -hmm. uh, the second one is going fully decoupled, building everything in JavaScript and just communicating with Drupal through an API to retrieve and store data. The third road is the one that Matt has been focusing on, which is progressively decoupling and only leaving certain parts of the work for JavaScript. Uh, we do not yet know what we do not yet know who the winner will be there might not be a winner we simply want to ensure that no matter which approach people take commerce is the most optimal solution for them all of these approaches have one thing in common they need um, strong apis from commerce uh, more specifically uh, decoupled and progressively decoupled solutions need a strong rest api from us uh, we Traditionally, people have used the JSON API module for this. Uh, we are looking into how we can uh, extend this, uh, how to provide additional functionality, such as support for additional actions, adding products to the cart, ensuring that the API covers all of our ecosystem modules, such as shipping, uh, and just ensuring that there's uh, fully documented, uh, very user-friendly API to work with. Uh, another interesting approach that we're looking into is GraphQL, which is the same thing, except more the way the cool kids nowadays are doing it. So is this, is this effort being driven by customers or community members saying, we want this, this is something our clients are asking for? Or is it something that it's there, it's cool, it's interesting, let's see if we can do it? Like, where's the drive for this? Because it seems like you guys are putting in some serious time on trying to figure out 
the right way to do this. Um, obviously, spending time on the APIs and developing the APIs is of paramount importance. But what's what's the driver behind this? Well, people have used commerce as let's say a decoupled solution before the word decoupled was even in use. In uh, 2011, we used commerce to power Royal Mail uh, through a REST API. Uh, later on, we developed the commerce services module uh, maybe five or six years ago. Uh, so we have a long tradition of building these solutions uh, simply because our clients and our community, community needed it. And this is just another uh, hopefully more successful iteration of the same idea where we simply have something that's full featured that's documented and that people can just take and run with all right very good so what else is that so let's move away from decoupled mm -hmm. and from rest apis and, and json apis what else is on that roadmap uh, <laughs> nothing <laughs> nothing that's that, it did we cover the whole roadmap <laughs> yeah uh, w once we implement the rest api commerce will officially be done and we will never make a single commit again okay you heard it here <laughs> fantastic <laughs> okay let's and that statement will remain true for how many seconds <laughs> let's edit that out of context and ruin my life uh, no but uh, to be serious uh, we are definitely we are definitely planning to keep improving our admin UIs because they are very important. This is how merchants interact with the system. Developers have more patience with us than the average merchant, which means that over time, our administrative UIs for creating products, for bulk generating variations, for uh, administering orders, for creating shipments and packages, all of that needs to be amazing. What's the biggest pain point that you hear? from the admin UI standpoint? Right now, managing orders. Because there are simply many operations, many actions that can be taken, and right now it's not optimal. So uh, things like someone submits an order and then there's a change on that order and we have to go into the admin UI and make that change, that type of stuff? Yeah. Okay. Or maybe a product has gone out of stock, so you need to refund a portion of the order, you need to notify the customer, okay. you need to maybe sell them a replacement, there are many possible use cases and uh, our friend from the community Acromedia has been leading the way with research here uh, as a part of their uh, commerce point of sale module uh, which is basically a, a custom order UI built on top of commerce so we are hoping uh, to take some of their lessons and their solutions generalize them and use that uh, to improve the commerce experience so um, another thing that I think a lot of folks give you credit for and, and um, is helping to drive the adoption of Composer in Drupal 8. You know, from my standpoint, you know, that has a lot to do with the address module. Um, and I know that I've heard um, the talk of you spinning out more of commerce into non-Drupal specific libraries. Is that something that's ongoing or very high in the priority list or 
No, it, it's something we've hit pause on simply because we've accomplished our initial goals. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we created the addressing and internationalization libraries. We got great buy-in from other communities. They have stable versions, regular maintenance. Uh, and for now, we just want to see what people do with those before uh, going down that road further. Okay. Uh, as for Composer itself, uh, the community is definitely learning how to use Composer better, learning where the pain points are and addressing them. The great thing to mention is the Composer initiative that's currently happening around Drupal Core, uh, where uh, people, us included, are looking to improve the state of Composer support in Drupal Core out of the box. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to that as well. So it sounds like a lot of what we've talked about so far with the roadmap has to do with you know the the you know commerce core you know the the main bit of commerce um i believe the roadmap touches on kind of the greater commerce ecosystem um, are there are there specific pain points or are there specific initiatives that kind of have your interest right now that you'd like to see yes so recently we've started defining uh, what makes up the commerce platform and in addition to commerce this includes large modules that people use to uh, tackle common use cases and a good example of that is shipping because many sites simply uh, ship products or maybe recurring uh, or uh, commerce file for selling access to files and the list goes on and on uh, aside from defining which modules those are, ensuring they have a regular release schedule, we are currently focusing on commerce shipping. Uh, commerce shipping doesn't have a stable release yet. It has a vastly larger feature set than it used to in the triple seven times, uh, but we want to expand it a little bit more before uh, calling it done. Uh, that means supporting uh, multiple shipments, uh, which can go to multiple addresses, that is that is already in. Supporting multiple packages that are automatically created, uh, this is something that we are still improving, uh, as well as ensuring that uh, we have a large number of external integrations with services such as USPS, UPS, FedEx, DHL, and others, and simply that those uh, modules are easy to write and maintain, that they're not missing anything from the shipping side. So how much of that work is being undertaken by commerce guys as opposed to other contributors? I think shipping is a great example of uh, a community effort. So uh, on one side, we have Acromedia sponsoring Alex Pot to work on it. Uh, then we have uh, various contributors who are working on the different integrations. And then finally, uh, there's us working on synchronizing all of that, gathering feedback and creating a plan moving forward. All right, very good. So uh, I want to bounce back to Matt here because um, you and I have something in common. We're, we're both big fans of DDEV. And this is less about Drupal Commerce and more about, uh, I didn't give you any warning about this, sorry, but more about a series of blog posts that you wrote about mm -hmm. using DDEV to run Drupal's automated tests, which was very heady stuff. I yeah. mean, you're, getting, you're kind of digging down deep in that. Um, but I guess I kind of want to ask you a little bit about that. And um, are you at the point now, and I, I don't, I've never run Drupal's automated tests myself, so I don't know the answer to this. Um, but from this series of blog posts, it sounds like you're able to run all of Drupal's automated tests now. It, yep. It, 
Um, so we, we run all of our, I first got the idea because in a client site, a Drupal Commerce site, um, we actually have Circle CI boot up DDEV because that's easier than pulling in contain like defining containers in it, and it runs our PHP unit unit and kernel tests and also be hat with Chrome driver against the sample site in our Circle CI, and I realized why not Drupal um, because we were having some inconsistencies like my previous habit was always to use SQLite for testing well. Sometimes you have inconsistencies that way. Um, I found out when writing custom code, <laughs> um, as the world goes. So I decided to do that blog post, and also I didn't blog in a long time. I kind of fell off that bandwagon. Um, but yeah, the blog post goes through running, like setting up the tests and running unit and kernel tests. For people who don't know, unit tests is just testing code, like statically testing code, if you will. Um, and then kernel test lets you bootstrap parts of Drupal and interact with the database. That's the difference. Unit test, no database. Kernel test, you, you get more of like a kernel, like a Drupal kernel and the database. And then it goes through running, I think, functional tests in that same breath too, where you get a PHP-based web browser that reads HTML and kind of goes through the site to make sure links work. Um, the following blog post then goes on to running Drupal's functional JavaScript test, which runs Chrome driver unless you test JavaScript, which huge kudos to the team that helped move that forward. I believe that was also part of the Admin Unite initiative. Um, and shout out to them because they helped get Core to use Chrome driver because PhantomJS, for those who didn't know, that was the old driver. As soon as like headless Chrome came out, that like project kind of abandoned. Um, it already had bugs and crashed a lot. It was just a pain <laughs> to run. Like a year and a half ago, I wrote a blog on DrupalCommerce.org about running it, and it just was still like hard. DDEV is a Docker-based tool. So in, in the blog post, I talk about adding Chrome Driver as a service. So then it's running inside Docker. You don't need to download it. You just type DDEV start, and you can run everything as magical goodness. Um, right in there. And then the third blog post actually talks about Nightwatch, which is a new testing suite, thanks to the Admin Night Initiative, that uses Chrome Driver and Nightwatch, which is a JavaScript testing framework. So instead of writing PHP code to test your JavaScript, why not test your JavaScript with JavaScript? which I'm actually gonna be excited about with this progressive t decoupling stuff, is I want to start writing Nightwatch tests for the cart, cart flyout. It doesn't have test coverage. It kind of kills me inside because I've taken a very <laughs> test-driven development approach to D8 work, and it has no test coverage. So <laughs> this we is my- found your dirty secret. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's really exciting. I've, I've been you know waiting for that time in my schedule to write Nightwatch tests for cart flyout to kind of show, you know, this is how you could test Drupal with JavaScript. So is there enough in these three blog posts for someone else to basically duplicate what you've done, add it to their Circle yes. CI and No, not for the Circle CI stuff, okay. but at least for running it running. locally. Like run, yeah. if you're gonna contribute to Drupal, this is for running it. If you're adding tests to your client project and you use DDEV, this is a way to like have all the developers run the tests inside of there. And the alternative, I mean the alternative is basically to have all this stuff installed natively on your machine yeah. and get it all configured right and then not touch it. Yeah, then not touch it. Because um, I, like, whenever I had to run PhantomJS, it'd be like two months at a time. And I had, I know I had a script that would run it, but on I have an iMac and a MacBook. And it seems like they flip flop. But one, like, if I had a test failure, I'd have to stop everything, kill PhantomJS, restart it, and then it would work. And some, like, I could just run the test 10 times in a row with failures and it would just work. It was weird. Um, which is one reason I like Docker because it's like it's in its own state and kind of works and it puts Chrome driver in there 
and I don't have to manage things like DDEV is running it for me. All right, very good. Well, let um, I'm going to mention a couple of things that we have coming up here at Drupal Easy, and then uh, Boyan uh, is going to be um, answering five questions. And now that we've restarted up the podcast, I've got a couple of new questions for him. Don't peek over here. You just keep your eyes to yourself. Um, first, I want to mention uh, the next, I believe it's going to be the 13th semester of Drupal Career Online. Starts February 25th. It's 12 weeks, three half days a week, best practice focused Drupal 8 training. Um, we do what we call the Taste of Drupal. It's basically a one hour online webinar. I'll tell you all about the class. I'll go into gory detail. You can ask me any questions about it that you want. We're gonna be doing that four times before the class begins. The next one being December 17th. And there's a whole schedule on the Drupal Easy site at drupaleasy.com slash DCO. I also do a monthly two-hour um, workshop called Professional Local Development with DDEV. It's hands-on, we do it online. The next one is December 12th, and that is uh, $75 um, uh, to attend that. And then I guess kind of, I'm kind of bearing the lead. A big announcement is I have released a Local Web Development with DDEV Explained book. Um, I partnered up with the folks at OS Training. Uh, they are the publisher of the book. Um, but you can find that on Amazon. I urge you to get the digital copy because I'm already working on the second or the first update of the book, version two of the book. Um, and if you buy a digital copy, you get the updates for free. But it basically, it comes from all my um, curriculum of, of getting people up and running on DDEV. And I've kind of uh, put that into a book form with a lot of examples, a lot of walkthroughs. Um, beginner, intermediate, and a little bit of advanced stuff in there as well. Nothing as advanced as what we just talked about, though, with Matt. Um, I'm not sure if that will that will ever ever get in that because that's that's some as I said that's some pretty heady stuff. Um, but I'll put the links to Matt's uh, blog post in the uh, in, in the show notes. All right, Boyan, you ready? Ready. Here we go. Name something interesting that you do outside of Drupal. I'm not sure it counts, but I've started learning how to snowboard last winter, and I'm really looking forward to continuing that this winter and to spend a bit less time on my behind. <laughs> <laughs> so, did you take lessons? No. Uh, a friend from the Drupal community has been teaching me. Shout okay. out to Minya. All right. So, yeah. So, I tried to make the switch a couple okay. years ago because I skied my entire life. Um, my daughter wanted a snowboard. So I took some lessons with her, and I live in Florida, so this is not, this is like a once a year thing <laughs> I'm talking about. Um, took some lessons, um, was, did okay the first year. The second year, I think I did a refresher lesson. She snowboarded for one day and then saw her brother like skiing down much faster, and she said, I think I want to ski instead wow. of snowboard. Because she had, she had skied as well. So she gave up snowboarding. I, being a little more stubborn, stuck with it, um, and then I think the last day of that trip, I fell and I fractured my wrist. Oh, Classic snowboard injury, yeah, fall backward, catch luck. yourself. So I'm skiing again. Yeah, but, when I told my team that I started learning how to snowboard, they said, could we suggest a sport that's not going to destroy your hands? <laughs> <laughs> I think they actually make some type of braces for snowboarders, so if you do fall backwards... Yeah, I need to look into that. Yeah, it's a great sport, regardless. All right, well, that's good. Good luck with that. Um, name your favorite movie. 
I'm not sure which movie I would claim as my favorite, but I've recently been revisiting art house cinema and Three Colors Blue really struck with me. It's a great movie and one out of three. All good, but blue is something special. So the name of the movie is... Three Colors Blue. Three so there's three colors red, three colors blue, and three colors white. Three different movies? Yes, the colors of the French flag. Okay, I swear, I have more people answer these questions with answers of things I've never heard of. That's how it goes. I'm looking for, like, Star Wars, or, you know, <laughs> three colors blue. Okay, so this, knowing that, so this next question, maybe I haven't completely thought it through, but the question is, what are you currently streaming? I've recently discovered Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and it's really good. There you go. Okay, see, that's the kind of answer I'm looking for. Fantastic. All right. Very funny. Yeah, I didn't... uh, Previously, I wasn't a huge fan of that format, like, you know, 20, 25 minutes, but Brooklyn Nine-Nine changed everything. That's a very funny show. It is very funny. All right. What distracts you the most? Drupal Slack. (laughs) (laughs) I I love hearing what people are doing and what's blocking them, but sometimes I just get too into it, and then I need to remind myself to close the tab and focus on the issue that I'm actually supposed to solve. Uh, Otherwise, uh, I just get overwhelmed with the different bugs and problems and questions and focus on none enough. So you're not just lurking, you're like getting involved. Yes. So you see an interesting problem that someone else is having, yeah. and you're thinking, I can help solve that, and two hours later, Matt's pinging you on Slack going, hey, have you finished this thing we talked about yet? And then finally, so we may have already answered this, but I'm going to ask you to not, the answer to this question cannot be something we've already talked about. Okay. Um, what Drupal project are you most, uh, are you currently most excited about? And maybe I should say that you're not working on. Layout Builder, no doubt. Layout Builder. Okay. Yes. Uh, That's the topic uh, of an upcoming episode, by the way. Perfect. Uh, uh, it's really important for us in commerce because our product pages tend to also have variation fields and complex layouts, and Layout Builder makes all of that easier. And the team has simply done an amazing job on iterating on the concept from before, from panels and display suites to what we are getting now. So I think it's going to be a complete game changer in the ecosystem. I'm just looking forward to people not using paragraphs for landing pages. <laughs> that's that's <Yes>. my... <laughs> that's, that's a fierce challenge. <laughs> There's going to be some pitchforks. <laughs> All right, let's wrap this up. Uh, so Matt, where can people find you online? Um, at Twitter, I have NMDMatt and Drupal.org, GitHub, etc. It's mglomin. Right, very good. And Boyan, where can people find you online? I am Boyan underscore Zivanovich on Twitter. And I guess you'll provide the link because there's yes. no way anyone's typing that in. <laughs> uh, and I'm Boyan Z on Drupal.org and Drupal Slack. All right. Very good. And finally, I always want to mention uh, webenabled.com and devpanel.com, who, by the way, have um, signed up there. Always one of the first sponsors of Florida Drupal Camp. So special thank you to them for that. And I think that's about it. So if you want to hear more episodes of the podcast, just do a search on iTunes or Google Play or wherever, or DrupalEasy.com slash podcast. 
And uh, thank you very much for sticking with us. And thanks to the two of you for joining me today. Thank, thank you. you. And thank you for lunch. I'll say that as well. <laughs> it was a lovely, lovely meal that we, that we had. And we'll see everybody on the next episode of the Drupal Easy Podcast. See ya! I actually remembered. There will be blood. Have you seen that movie? That's a really <laughs> yeah. good movie. Daniel Day-Lewis, he's amazing. Yes.